0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Leto. A whole bunch of people, including Ben, sent me this story. And this version is from techdirt.com. Tim Cushing wrote it. And it has to do with uh, civil asset forfeiture and, and a, a victim of it actually winning a case. So this is huge. It's out of Alabama. Uh, Alabama couple awarded $1 million over warrantless raid of their home that saw cops walk off with all their cash. You see, that lack of a warrant was the problem here. It didn't have a warrant, and yet it went all the way to trial because uh, they put up such a fight on it. So as Tim Cushing points out, rarely do you see anyone prevail in court when any form of forfeiture is in play. The litigation deck is firmly stacked in favor of the government, which rarely needs anything approaching actual proof to walk off someone's property because, of course, the burden of proof is switched. It's on you to prove that your money is innocent. So it's even more rare to see someone awarded damages in a civil lawsuit against law enforcement officers because, of course, qualified immunity terminates many lawsuits as well. So if qualified immunity is not awarded, the government agencies often quickly just pay off the other side to make these things go away. But uh, this case here contains both rarities. Not only does it involve regular people securing some sort of justice, but the underlying set of rights violations included officers raiding a house without a warrant, and then they hauled off the valuables and the cash and anything else to get their hands on. So we got it back up to 2019 uh, when the story was first told by C.J. Ciramella, also from Tech Dirt, uh, and the raid took place in 2018. A county sheriff's deputy showed up at the home of the couple here in Woodland, Alabama to serve the man court papers in a civil matter. So, they're there simply to serve him with process, process serving. But it is, in fact, sheriff's deputies. The man wasn't home, but his wife told the deputy he'd be right back. About two hours later, after the man returned home, they heard knocking at the door. He yelled, Hang on. And as he's walking towards the door, it bursts open and he's on the floor, his ears ringing and dazed because somebody had just tossed a flashbang in there. The officers handcuffed and detained the couple then started searching the house, and it turns out that the deputy who'd been there earlier said he smelled marijuana, and so a county drug task force was descending on the home looking for these things. The supposed odor eventually led the deputies to a small plant, a few scattered leaves, and a single prescription pill that was not located in its bottle. The home invasion also led deputies to other stuff they wanted, but had no religious reason to take. So they took all the cash they found. They took a wedding ring, some guns, a coin collection, and a couple guitars. To the sheriff's office, the $4,000 they took probably seemed insignificant. But it was pretty much all the money these couple had. They're in the middle of refinancing an agricultural loan to ensure that their chicken farm remained solvent. But they, were, of course, uh, were forced to spend a couple days in jail. They missed their refinancing deadline, which resulted in the couple losing their house. They were residing in an insulated shed by the time the court took up their lawsuit. More than four years after the raid, the couples finally secured some form of justice because a jury awarded them $1 million in damages. Now, they'll probably appeal that because they do that. But for now, that's what a jury has said the couple is entitled to. Now, I actually went and read some of the pleadings on this, but it got rather lengthy. But the judge overseeing the case wrote an order along with a directed verdict stating that the rarity of a directed verdict in a civil rights lawsuit necessitates some explanation. And the explanation reveals just how much of a blatant violation of rights this raid was. The deputy had no excuse for his actions. During trial, the judge testified and this is actually the judge who would have been involved in the case if they'd gotten a warrant, the judge testified that she never issued a telephonic warrant to the defendant or to the drug task force for a search of the plaintiff's home. She also testified she did not tell the officer that he had a warrant. In addition, that officer testified that the judge did not tell him he had a warrant, although she did tell him that he probably had enough for a warrant. So this is what it boils down to. The officer calls a judge and says, I'm thinking about getting a search warrant. Judge goes, what do you got? So presumably, the officer tells her, we have somebody who went to this house, said they smelled marijuana. The judge said, well, that might be enough for a warrant. And, but you understand, this is not a warrant, me talking to you. And the officer even admits, yeah, I didn't get a warrant. I spoke to a judge who said, I probably had enough for a warrant, but he didn't get a warrant. So this whole thing, like, I could have got one. Yeah, I yeah, should have got one, too. He also acknowledged that the requirements for telephonic warrant were not satisfied, that he did not have a search warrant, and that it was, therefore, a warrantless search. Given this undisputed testimony, even when considered in the light most favorable to defendant, the search of the home was without a warrant, They didn't have a defective one and therefore violated the Fourth Amendment. No reasonable jury could have concluded otherwise as there was no question of fact. And so a directed verdict is something you can ask for in trial. When you put your proofs in and the other side's gotten to object and cross-examine and all that, if you put in stuff that is undisputed that proves your case, you can ask the judge to just go ahead and rule. There's no need to send it to the jury. So here... You have a judge saying, I never issued a warrant. You've got a deputy saying, I never got a warrant. I didn't have a warrant. And believe it or not, the deputy tried to explain and say that even though he didn't have a warrant, he knew he didn't have a warrant, the fact that he could have gotten one means that he should have a good faith exception. That is that he was acting in good faith. It's just the paperwork didn't quite catch up with what he's doing. And as the court pointed out in its, one of its rulings here, it said... There is a good faith exception to a warrant in a criminal case, but not in a civil case. And remember, civil asset forfeiture. And I know there have been people out there who every single time I talk about it, I go, Steve, what's the distinction? Why is it civil versus criminal? What's the difference? This difference right here is what allowed these people to recover their money, at least get a judgment in their favor. Because if this is a criminal case, the officer could have claimed that he had a good faith belief that he thought he had a warrant or something, it's possible. The judge wrote, But even if the good-faith exception to the exclusionary rule can apply in the civil context, the good-faith exception still would not apply in the circumstances of this case. First, per the judge and the defendant, there was no warrant. And they had to know that. There was nothing upon which the officer could rely in good faith. In other words, because defendant Walker knew he did not have a warrant, the good-faith exception does not apply. So the cases that are cited in their defense simply don't apply. I'm not going to get too heavily into that because it's basically the same thing again and again. But as the court notes in the order, it fully expects that the defendants might raise other defenses in a future motion, but the jury has already said the couple is owed $1 million in damages, and the court has yet to issue an order uh, confirming that payout. However, if nothing else, the utter failure to salvage a blatantly unconstitutional search will urge the employers to cut a check rather than continue to embarrass itself in court. And so this is one of those things. And, and, you know, we have civil asset forfeiture where you hear about, I don't know, uh, the cops make some bust on a warehouse where all kinds of crazy stuff's happening, and they find pallets and pallets and pallets of cash. You've seen those photographs, right? Just... Hundred dollar bills this high, ten feet deep, ten feet across, and it turns out that it all has to do with some nefarious activities. And they seize it. They seize it. People go, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But they'll also pull somebody over to the side of the road, and because they're acting nervously, search them and find they had four thousand dollars in cash stuffed underneath the floor mat of their car. And they'll take the four thousand dollars. And. The theory behind the pallets of cash and the $4,000 dollars—it's the exact same theory. But you can see how people might go, but wait a second, I understand that one. I don't understand that one. This is pallets, this is $4,000. And so you get these things that are all over the board. And here you have one where if you ask them, why were you guys busting down the door of this house, They said a deputy was there earlier in the day and said he smelled marijuana. Okay, uh, maybe in Alabama, uh, that would be an acceptable thing to bust down the door of a house for. But when you bust down the door of the house and you find a single plant, a couple bits of dried material, and one prescription pill that's not in this correct bottle. At that point, you seize everything in the house, including the guitars and the wedding ring. And I think at that point, most people, most people are going to say that is out of line. That's an overreaction. Are you trying to suggest that that one plant indicates you've, you've caught the kingpin of a huge criminal organization? Do you think the wedding ring was purchased with criminal proceeds? I mean, this is, this is one of those extreme examples where you know the defense attorneys are going, oh my gosh, we got, a, we got a tough one here. And when you see a judge testifying in court saying, yeah, I spoke to the guy on the phone and told him, although he could probably get a warrant if he went through all the steps of filling out the affidavit and bringing it in and letting me read it, I told him he does not have a warrant. He does not have a warrant. And by the way, keep in mind, and I've mentioned this before, that this is a pro tip for law enforcement. When you are about to do something without a warrant, ask yourself how long it would take to get the warrant and what would happen in the meantime. Because it's possible that people could run away, evidence could disappear, all kinds of bad things can happen. In this case, they showed up at the door of the house, they said they smelled something, they left. They didn't have time to go find the judge and go, Here, here's what we got, we want a warrant. They came back a couple hours later, kicked down the door, grabbed all the stuff, and walked off with it. Why couldn't they have gotten a warrant? And that's the question I would have. And if I was the attorney on this case arguing in favor of these people, which that's the side I'd want to be on, uh, that's the thing I'd hammer with the jury if it had gotten to the jury. I would say, explain to me why in the ensuing couple hours they didn't just go find the judge, get the warrant, come back with the warrant. Because that warrant is supposed to be what protects you from just people searching your stuff willy-nilly. And so I should get back to the directed verdict. And some people are going to say, Steve, why should ever there be a situation where a judge takes a case away from a jury? And here you have an example where... The plaintiff says, We think they searched our house and they did it wrongfully because they had no warrant. The defendant gets in the stand and goes, Well, I thought I had a warrant, but I didn't have a warrant. And then the judge, who would have been the one who gave him the warrant he thought he had, said, No, I never gave him a warrant. And I told him he didn't have a warrant. And so now, are you telling me that we should let that go to the jury and let the jury decide? Again, a jury is going to listen to this and go, of course, the judge said he didn't have a warrant. Of course, he doesn't have a warrant. And I do need to clarify one thing with respect to a directed verdict, because you've heard me both say that the judge ruled on this and resolved the case, but also that the jury awarded money. And I've mentioned before, just in general with litigation, for you to win a case and actually receive something, you've got to prove liability that somebody owes you something and then... You've got to prove damages. Hypothetically, it's possible that you could have a case where there's liability but no damages. And of course, there are a lot of cases where people think they've been damaged but there's no liability. So you've got to prove both. So, what happened in this case apparently is that after the plaintiffs put in their proofs, they asked the court for a direct verdict on liability. And so the judge said, yes, at this point, liability is found as a matter of law in favor of the plaintiffs. The plaintiffs will prevail on that count. How much they will receive, however, could still remain a question for the jury. And so at that point, what would happen is the court would tell all the parties, we're going to skip over any more proofs with respect to liability and go strictly to a damages phase. And so it's quite possible that this could happen in any case where you've got such clear-cut liability with respect to the plaintiffs winning their case that a judge could say, okay, I'm directing a verdict, we're now moving forward, and they would explain that to the jury. And they'd say, your job is not now to decide whether or not the plaintiffs win. The plaintiffs on liability win. It's up to you to decide if they've been harmed, and if so, how much. So the jury was still involved in the case, but they're involved in the case in simply calculating and awarding damages as The judgment of the court. So don't get too upset by the idea that a directed verdict took something away from the jury, because here the judge is saying this plaintiff couple wins. Their home was ransacked and they were robbed by police officers with no warrants. And they haven't even got a good excuse to why they don't have a warrant. And so that is why you direct a verdict in their favor. So Ben, thanks for sending it. Tech Dirt published that. Tim Cushing wrote it. Another great article. I love TechDirt.com. Alabama couple awarded a million dollars of a warrantless raid of their house that saw cops walk off with all their cash, their guitars, a wedding ring, and everything else they could get their hands on. Crazy. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. If you're not lost, you're not much of an explorer.